Hello everyone, my name is Katia Cafe Fabrici. I'm a DGC director and I'm delighted to welcome you back to the DGC podcast brought to you by the Directors Guild of Canada National Directors Division. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional indigenous lands that we all live and gather on today. Although this talk took place in Toronto, we are all located on traditional ancestral indigenous land. We are grateful to the indigenous peoples who've cared for these lands and waters for thousands of years. Many of us have come as settlers, immigrants, and newcomers in this generation and generation span. We also acknowledge those who came here forcibly, particularly as a result of the transatlantic slave trade. Therefore, we honor and pay tribute to the ancestors of African origin and descent. Today's episode features a panel of directors whose latest documentaries premiered at Hot Dogs 2023. Co-directors Caitlin Jamie and Asia Youngman discussed their film, I'm Just Here for the Riot, about the June 2011 riot that broke out following the Vancouver Canucks Stanley Cup Finals loss, dubbed the first smartphone riot the film takes a critical look at how new technology intersects with the shame-first, ask-questions-later society. Director Yasmin Mathurin also explores the impact of new technology in her film Witness, which follows Wasim Khan as he prepares for the inevitable task of explaining to his children the viral cell phone footage of him being assaulted and tased by Toronto Police Services. Guiding this discussion is renowned DGC director, Tiffany Chung. Please enjoy. When I was asked to do this panel, I got so excited because I was like, oh, just be us like chatting like friends and we could just a bunch of people, you know, witness our, our banter and our chat. So I'm so thrilled to be able to moderate this panel, this discussion, because these are two incredible films that actually in, in many ways, you know, delve into witnessing and how we act upon witnessing in such different ways on different levels. So and maybe Kat, you can tell us a little bit about the film, you know, and just kind of like what what you guys delve into. Sure. Um, so this film takes a look at the Vancouver hockey riot that happened in 2011. Um, so it's over a decade decade ago. Uh, the Canucks lost game seven, uh, the city we rioted after we lost. Um, and this is, it's known as the first smartphone riot. And um, it was the first time um, people were kind of being canceled online. And Asia and I were, you know, in Vancouver when this happened and we were both so moved by what we were seeing on TV, what we what happened days after the riot. So there was, there was it was the first time like an online witch hunt happened um, because in 2011, you have to kind of remember Facebook and social media was very new. So people didn't realize that they were taking photos and writing uh, Facebook statuses and boasting about what they were doing. And they were uploading it online, not realizing that they were actually incriminating themselves. So this film takes a look at how the riot unfolded and um, uh, you know, the the witch hunt that ensued afterwards. I was like, thank you. I'm going to ask you, yes, to 
uh, introduce a bit about the film. I know it's part of a series and this is the season, this is the season finale of that series, right? So Witness is a docu-series created by Amar Walla, and it follows the story of Wasim Khan, who in 2017, he witnessed an incident where the police was attacking uh, a houseless person. And then after that, he shared the, the video um, and then it sort of went viral just as far as like Toronto, the scale of Toronto. Um, and so the series kind of looks at um, the impact of the folks who re- who who are behind viral videos. And so um, I think for us in creating the show, we were really thinking about what does it mean to witness something? Um, and and I think that's sort of been the, the driving way of us thinking about each of the episodes in the series. Um, but this particular episode, even if it is a series finale, was actually the first thing we, we shot. And so it, it became kind of like our our guide throughout the series. And so when you were um, brought onto the series, did they, did you, were, were you given the theme? Did you know the characters already? Like you were hired onto this or were you kind of building it with Amar? Um, I didn't know any of the participants prior to. Amar is the one who had um, the connection with Wasim because I think he had, basically they had tried to make the show before and it didn't really work out. And then um, an opportunity came years later to be able to actually tell the story, but tell it in a different way. Um, and so that's kind of when uh, myself and um, Carol Nguyen is also another director um, that worked on the show and Amar also directed. Yeah. And Kat and Asia, I was going to ask you guys, how did you guys come upon this story and this theme? And now, Kat, I know you're a super fan of sports, uh, specifically Vancouver Grizzlies. Go Grizzlies. <laughs> that you haven't seen her films, please do watch it now. Uh, so I obviously when I, I know that and I was thinking, oh, this must have been and if it is of like, okay, I'm a super fan and I'm witnessing my city being torn up like this. Um, yeah. Can you tell me about how this all started? For sure. Um, I think Asia and I fell into this story in our own different ways. So I can share the, my way first. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a basketball fan, I'm a Grizzlies fan, um, but I 100% got swept up in the, in the playoff, the Canucks playoff run. It was like the Olympics, the Olympics happened in 2010. So this is right a year after, so 2011. So it felt like the Olympics part two. Um, I, I bought a Canucks t-shirt. I was watching the games every, every, um, after every game, my friends and I would go downtown because there'd be celebrations on the streets, like joyous celebrations. Um, and the Canucks were up three, three, one. And so we just needed that one more win and it got brought to a game seven and we lost. We got completely destroyed. It was four zero was a shutout. And I, everyone was just so devastated. Um, and you know, we went to uh, we went to the beach, um, and we you, we could hear sirens. We could see smoke, um, and every like we everyone was checking their phones, and we're like, oh my god, like the city's riding, and it was just the most terrible things that you saw when we like you flipped on the TV. Um, it was just so disturbing what we were doing to to our own city for really no re- like no valid reason. Um, and I was at first I was so angry with the rioters. I was like, this makes no I was it makes no sense. Um, and destroying the, your own was, city. Yeah, it was very upsetting. And I really I, I was so I needed to understand why, like why? How could we how could we do this? Um, you know, there were like terrible assaults that happened, like innocent people getting hurt, property damage, everything. So the next day I brought my family. I had just graduated from film school. I, I went downtown because um, there was a cleanup and I brought my camcorder downtown because I was like, this is the first time a story um, that was happening in my backyard was making international news for all the wrong reasons. 
and I, I wanted to tell the story, but everyone was like, no one wanted to talk about it. It was like such a shameful thing. Um, and of course I, I hadn't made anything um, at that time. And so I just, you know, I parked the, the, um, the film and I shelved it and, um, I met Asia in 2018 and we, we met at a DGC dinner. We, we hit it off. Um, and we, we were hanging out a month later. We were just talking about the projects that we wanted to work on and the subject of the 2011 hockey riot came up and Asia also had like had her, um, has her, uh, own story of, of why she wanted to make the film, but we were both like, oh, we really want to tell this story. And it's one of the stories that someone's going to tell it. And like, we wanted it to, to be us. Um, so we're like, that's like, I'm so glad it was. A yeah. Yeah. So let's, you know, um, let's start. We started working right away in 2018 is when, when we started, um, you know, putting all, all, the, all the ideas together. But I think, yeah, our, our goal with the film was to always um, to not point fingers, to not, uh, you know, try to find blame, but to really just understand what was going through these people's minds. And of course, what happened afterwards uh, was the witch hunt. And that's actually I'll just one, one thing I'll add and, uh, is that when I was um, in 2011, when the witch hunt was happening online, even though I was so angry with the rioters, when I saw what was happening online, I was like, oh, like this isn't this isn't good either. Like this isn't right. And the conflicting feelings I felt, I knew I was like, okay, there's a story here because yesterday I was so angry with these rioters and I, I did want them to pay in some way. But I was like, but this isn't this isn't the way to do it either. And you do such a great job by doing that, by not pointing the fingers, but also like flipping the lens and seeing what does it mean to be like publicly shamed Shame. like yeah. this online as yes. well. Yeah. And these are sorry. For myself, like I was a huge Canucks fan. Um, my dad, who's here and filming me right now, um, season ticket holder, and he'd always alternate between taking my brother and I to games. And so I remember I was looking at the calendar and I was like looking at which games I was going to. And then I saw my brother was going to game seven. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> um, but I ended up going downtown and watching it, you know, with friends and I just remember like just being downtown when when the riot broke out and kind of the energy that was in the air. And um, I was really freaked out when like the first car was flipped over and I saw like this huge like cloud of smoke just coming up over the high rises. And I got out of downtown pretty quickly because my dad and my brother picked me up right away. And I remember when we were leaving um, the downtown core and driving across the bridge, like we saw these like police cars coming into town and like the city just kind of shut down after that. But I think for myself, in terms of the subject matter, like before I was even in film, I studied psychology and sociology, which is like really random. Um, but I think I've always, yeah, right. Natural, natural uh, career path. Um, but I think I was always just really interested in, you know, human behavior, the complexities that make us human, um, society, social media. Um, and I think, too, um, this isn't the first time that we've rioted in Vancouver because of the loss of a game seven hockey game. Um, it also happened in 1994. Um, so in a weird way, it's almost like that generation in 2011 wanted their own riot. Um, and I think just nowadays, like things move so quickly, like there's a new villain every day online, like on social media, there's a new story that's getting attention. And because things are moving so quickly, I feel like we don't really stop and like actually look at, you know, why things are happening and why things are happening again. Like history repeats itself. Uh, we certainly don't want to do this for a third time in Vancouver. So we just really felt like it was important to just have that conversation. And it was hard because I don't think a lot of people wanted to um, when we were first like developing uh, the film. Like it just seemed like it was kind of a risky subject matter. I think it's like, oh, Canadians don't do that. Like we don't behave that way. Um, so no one really kind of 
I don't know, seem to want to maybe explore that subject matter. It's a bit of like an embarrassment, you know, in Vancouver. Um, but we just, you know, we didn't really want to be afraid to like to dive into that subject matter. And like you mentioned, you didn't want to point fingers and what you do such a great job of is like really covering all perspectives almost on who was there and how did they play a role. And it's so interesting when you brought in like, did the media play a role in reminding people what happened in 1994? And did uh, even camera people like, how did I like, I remember seeing Tom, a filmmaker saying like, did I play a role just by being there, taking a photo and giving a platform for people to start performing and, you know, be basically behaving badly and not just like the rioters, but like also onlookers taking photos. Like it's like you're kind of creating a stage there. And how do we all play a role in witnessing and how this obviously ends up into being a witch hunt and on social media. But what was great is that I felt like it wasn't taking anyone's sides and it was allowing for me watching it, asking those questions, like how far is too far? Um, it's interesting because in your film Witness, uh, it is about like making people accountable. And thank goodness we have citizens taking these videos because there was a time when we didn't have that technology to just like whip out and capture these things and injustice would happen over and over and over again. And it still does even when we take these videos. So can you talk a little bit about that, the questions you wanted to ask, uh, knowing who you're going to document who this like what the subject matter was like what did you want to uncover in your own personal questions I think for me I was really curious about I guess yeah what does it mean to to witness something traumatic to hold that and I think you know what ends up sort of unfolding in this in this film is that you know when in talking to Wasim is that he filmed it and then when he shared the video with with the press it had its own life and people um, and he was in the press doing interviews. But then I think I was really interested in like, OK, this happened in 2017. So <laughs> years, years had gone by. And so I, and I think in talking to him and trying to get a sense of like, how does he feel about it now? Um, and he, he ended up sort of sharing that, you know, he's he's a father now. And so he thinks a lot about what's going on in the world. And I think the more I talked to him, the more I felt like connecting the realities of like, like the fact that time has passed since that moment. I just felt like there was something there in wanting to sort of bring in where he's at in, in, in wrestling with the questions of like being someone who captured something like that. And I love because when I watched that, I the first thing I thought and, you know, I'm obsessed with intergenerational stuff. So it was just fascinating to, for me, it felt like an intergenerational lens on witnessing. And it got like, I got really heady in that. I was like, the children are witnessing what their father witnessed and how does that make them feel and how they like, they're still young, but they're also very observant and they have their own reaction. And now how does the father respond to their yeah. sons witnessing what he witnessed and how does he tell? Like it's, it was, I went down the rabbit hole of that. Uh, can you talk a little bit about like being in that room and and documenting that? Because that is so you could see the reaction. It was seen like how he was feeling yeah. seeing that. How was it for you? I mean, I think even the direction of going that route, like really was a collaboration because I, I in my heart of hearts, like I know I wanted to have something where I involve the kids, but I also wanted to be really mindful of the trauma of watching something that violent. And so before even going forward and 
like I just wanted to talk to Wasim and um and his partner just to have a conversation about and just really be, like brainstorming out loud and asking how they feel about it. Um, and then we and they they were open to it, but they were still also unsure. So we were all kind of in this unsure conversation about whether or not it's okay to be honest. And to to be honest with the children. Yeah, to to show it, to show it to them. Um, and then I think the more we talked about it, the more we were like, um, I just asked them, like, what if we ask them if they're like, if they want to see, if they want to see it, like, we'll, we'll, we'll explain what we're about to watch, but just ask them and prepare them for what they're about to watch. And then, so like, I, that's basically sort of what I threw at them. And then Osiru ended up sort of having a conversation with them. Um, and they agreed they were okay to watch it. And then that's how we ended up fully being um, basically consenting that like this is what we're about to do. What we tried to do while we were filming is just obviously just do our best to create a safe space that we're about to watch something that heavy. And um, and it was really hard. It was it was actually really really hard. Um, and not just for the kids, but also for for Wasim um, to just yeah to witness their kids kind of feeling it um because later on they ended up telling us that they had nightmares and and it was really hard and the youngest son was like my heart's beating so fast yeah and I think it's so interesting that both of you guys all of you has made films about events that happened in the past that was witnessed but then today you guys are documenting like it, today the story is being unraveled and it's interesting because as we know like social media and the way we even take in content has changed so rapidly and how young people are taking in content. So in my mind, I'm like, think about my nephews, like constantly on YouTube watching so much stuff, but there is no safe space. No one's like creating space. This is what you're watching. These are the questions. Like they're just like consuming, consuming and consuming. And then they participate in commenting, commenting, commenting. And so if you guys could talk a little bit about kind of this, like, how you guys balance with the things that happened in the past, which was in 2011. I believe one of your authors said something really great, which was this happened in 2011. There was a, a naivete around like posing for photos and not thinking like this was going to go viral and how there was going to be consequences to that. And how did that play into kind of telling that story today, knowing that technology has changed completely and that you have now these characters or not the characters, but you know, uh, rioters that are still facing this backlash to this day. Can you talk a little bit about that process of like kind of going with the time of, of the change in technology and how you put that into your story? Um, I can go first. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's really interesting is that when the announcement of the film came out, many Benku writes who are not happy that like, why are we talking about this? It's such a black scar. Um, you know, it's embarrassing. Why are we bringing up these, like, you know, the past, but it's like, well, we've never like, why, why can't we look back at our history that sure, it might be painful to look at, but um, it's important to actually talk about what happened because it really like we, we both feel like this, this event really got swept under the rug. Um, and the, you know, there was no discussions about why this happened uh, and uh, why the riot happened and, and what happened afterwards, like online. And like Asia said, you know, we've, this has happened twice in Vancouver already. And so, you know, uh, we, we want, we hope this film um, starts a conversation to really understand 
the, me the mechanics of how riots start, how the mechanics of these online witches start so that maybe we can be better prepared next time and, and understand, you know, it, it's, it's not so black and white. And of course, uh, Asia, I didn't want to um, give a free pass to the rioters. Like that was like, uh, and I'm glad that you said that you, you didn't feel like we were, um, like we showed like kind of a, a, a broad perspective in a way. Yeah. And also you did include a rioter from 1994, yeah. which is interesting because he like basically blasts the other rioters from 2011 saying, they need to not complain about yeah. those are just words. Yeah. And like, if you know what I mean? Like, it's just so interesting because he's from the 20. Well, yeah, he's from the 1994 riot yeah. commenting on like kids like don't like you shouldn't take that to heart. And they're just words. And right? of course, and that's what's interesting is that it, you can tell there's like a generational. It's a generational thing because, yeah. of course, it's more than just words. And it's like hurtful. And, you know, a lot of our uh, subjects um, are, you know, these writers are human beings and they. Um, they went through some really terrible, hard times because of what happened afterwards. And all of them say what happened on the online riot was way worse than the, um, you know, what they faced, um, uh, you know, from a judge. Yeah. And just to add to that, like it was really important for us to have like expert perspectives on some of the subject matter, like how you mentioned, um, I think it was Alexandra Samuel, um, who's an author and writes a lot about social media. Like she kind of mentioned like, you know, you, you look at it, and you're like, why were they so stupid? Like, why would they they do that? And then she's like, you have to put yourself in like the shoes and what things are like in 20, 2011. And so I think it's important to, to kind of reflect on obviously if that happened nowadays, it'd be so different. It'd be like all over TikTok and Instagram, that sort of thing. Um, but what was interesting is like there have been a few things that have happened in Vancouver recently. Like, what was it last year? There was a concert. Someone didn't show up for the concert and people started rioting about it. Like. And then like the VPD went on like TikTok and we're making videos of like these kind of catchy videos to be like, send in your photos and videos to the VPD. They're trying to be all like hip and stuff. But it was just really strange to kind of see something like that happening, not obviously to the same you know capacity, but something like that happening nowadays and how social media is used now just as like social surveillance. Right. Like and that's a big theme in our film is looking at how pretty much anything we do now can be filmed and put online and you're seeing like a glimpse into something that happened and you're not really getting the full story. Right. So I think that happened as well to like one of the folks involved in the riot is they didn't actually do anything. You know, she posed for a photo. People thought she was involved. I think one of the photos was photoshopped in front of a burning car and people went online and just kind of like, you know, tore her apart and was, they're bullying her. And in the end, you, you kind of learn that she actually didn't do anything. So I think it's so hard to look at a photo and really understand the full story. Right. Um, and I think, our goal was really just to kind of, you know, show that perspective and just humanize some of these people. And, you know, John Ronson says it really well. He was um, the author of So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Yeah, love I, him. I love him and I, I love his quote so much. And I feel like I'm just going to repeat it over and over again to people like me, just on this, like the goodness of it kind of makes us drunk and makes mm -hmm. us behave in troubling ways. Mm -hmm. And I love that he said that because there, there is an entitlement of feeling like you're on the good side yeah. and therefore you can act and say whatever the F you want. Yeah. Right? I, I think what's, uh, what we really want to do is bring the audience on like a roller coaster of emotions and to feel what we felt that like the week that everything was happening. So like at times you're so angry with what you're seeing and at times you're like, oh wait, actually I do kind of feel bad. And like we wanted that internal struggle with, uh, for our audience 
Um, and it, yeah, I didn't like them. Like, I didn't like your rioters, yeah. but I also like felt bad for them. But I didn't, you know what I mean? It's like a push and pull. Yeah, of like, yeah. Oh, well, yeah I, I love to, we love to hear that. And um, what, um, what's interesting is that there are some people who you are like the quote unquote heroes of the film. But, I, but at some points, you know, you, you kind of empathize or maybe even like some of the rioters even more than the people who are supposed, supposedly doing the right thing. So that, that's, but that was really fascinating for us. To have, we, have, we would always have these discussions as well to be like, oh, like, how are you feeling? And, and we have these check-ins. And that was one of the surprising things throughout this process. You know, I love that. I love that push and pull. But that's like kind of like how your film starts. Like it's like 13 minutes and you literally feel like you're watching the most intense hockey game, literally like this. And, and it starts with like the hype of the game, but also this hype of like the energy of this crowd and like the calm before the storm. And in many ways, it is like an up and down feeling. And then I feel like the whole film kind of does that. But I love that you offer, again, that perspective from different people that were there. And as documentary filmmakers, we are all witnesses and we are all accountable to how we witness as well. And I love talking about it. I'm obsessed with just kind of like, what does it mean when you're present and how does that story shift? Um, and and how do we how do we change the way that we we tell stories so that, you know, we can create, you know, as much of a, you know, as objective a, a possibility, you know, like an objective perspective as possible. I want to kind of bring it back to your process with Witness um, when you were filming with the family and understanding that you're going to go forward and, you know, the kids were going to watch this. Um, how, how I know Wasim talked about how it made him feel afterwards and kind of always like didn't know how to respond to the kids. Um, do you know kind of afterwards how, you know, the family dealt with, you know, the, I guess the after effect of showing the, the footage to the kids? Yeah. Um, after it happened, uh, I think Wasim shared that, you know, they both had nightmares and they kind of had to like explain, explain what was happening and just kind of reassure both of them. Um, and then they just talked it through as a family. I think um, what's really interesting about Wasim and uh, his partner is just so like the way that they parent their kids mm -hmm. um, is really beautiful um, and bold just to be able to like, you know, regardless of, I mean, it's, I mean, that's kind of the, the whole tension of the film is like how young is too young to, to really explain those like harsh truths about the world that like, you know, like I, I think one of the things I remember was seem sharing is that like, I think they have, um, they have an uncle who is a police officer and they love their uncle, but how do you explain that the police system is flawed? <laughs> It's, you know, how do you explain that kind of tension that you could, that, and so I think that's something that they've, they've, they're aware of and they've had those conversations. And so I think when, after we filmed, they, they kind of gave us that update that like, it, it has been really hard and it's just been for them to sort of hold space for them for all their questions and all their curiosities. Because what ended up kind of being in the film is like a snippet, but the whole conversation of them talking out what I think this could have easily been like, a future length film of just like delving into kind of like the background of like what it means to witness for like and the intergenerational witness and 
when we talk about race and privilege as well, when Wasim like recognized that his kids are being raised at a different time, what things that he didn't have to like, basically what the kids will not have to go through exactly what he's gone through. Yeah. Um, which I find so fascinating. And also kind of like when talking, when his kids are talking about, it, I almost feel like they already get it. Like, how old are they? Um, uh, five. Nine and five. Nine and five. And yeah. and one of them, I believe it was Isa who said, like, this wouldn't have happened if he was white. Yeah. And so this already is in their understanding of other society. Yeah. And I think all this connects to the fact that they, that they have conversations with them about race. Right. About because stuff like that, like what Wasim shared, too, is that like even in their classrooms, they're encountering these kinds of conversations anyway right on the playground with like kids being called names and and so Wasim has shared a lot of stories with us with like things that they've experienced and so I think because that's already happening in their day-to-day they've had to have those conversations to, to like talk to them about how do you be an ally how do you stand up for your friend who who is black and is being called the name you know I think Things like that. And so I think that's what that, I feel like that was like such a remarkable thing to um, take in from them as as participants in, in this project. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And to kind of throw the question both to you, Asia and Kat, like how did race and privilege kind of play into what you guys witnessed at a riot like this where, you know, there is a clear understanding of there's a a demographic of rioters that we can all see. Like how how did you how did that also I don't know, affect you, but also how you guys perceived all of that and played a role in kind of the riot itself. We've had a lot of conversations about this, (laughs) as you can imagine. Um, And I think for Kat and I, like one of the most challenging parts of making this film was finding people to, you know, trust us to kind of tell their story and do so in a way where we, you know, weren't causing further harm to them. Like, I think so many people just have moved on from that. Um, and I think there's some folks who are involved, you know, it still haunts them today. It still prevents them from pursuing like a career that they want to do or they can't go down the States, things like that. So Kat and I were always very, very cautious about, you know, who, how we wanted to kind of present these rioters, how we wanted to tell their story and make sure that we weren't like causing further harm. And we tried to reach out to so many people. Like we spent hours just like months. sending months. Yeah. yeah. Um, just reaching out to people, seeing if they'd be interested in chatting with us. And we kind of got the group that we got based on, you know, a couple of things. Like we, when we first started shooting in 2021 in the summer, it was like the 10 year anniversary of the riot. And we had this like installation set up outside of the Vancouver Art Gallery. And I think because of that got, you know, some attention within the community of Vancouver, some people came forward and they're like, oh, actually I was involved. And like, I would love to share my story with you. So that's kind of how we got a few people on board but then in other ways it was just like us kind of you know messaging them on social media things like that um mm. just finding their their contact information we had a great researcher who was working with us and helping us kind of track people down so it was really hard for for us to convince some people as you can see in the film like there's some people we filmed them in ways where their identity is kind of uh, yeah. hidden <laughs> which is interesting yeah. because you also saw like their younger photos yeah. of them yeah because if we Sort of that decision was, you know, based on conversation with that individual and say, like, you know, we'd love to tell your story. 
Um, there was a lot of hesitancy, of course. It took a long time for us to convince them to share the story on camera. Um, and that's sort of what we agreed upon was that we would, you know, hide how they look now because they look quite different than they did when they were 17, naturally. Um, and we also filmed them in a way where you can't quite see their full face. Um, so that just kind of worked out with us. But yeah, you know, it's just the, the reality is that there's a lot of young white men who rioted. Um, and that sort of, you know, most of the folks that got caught up in it um, were from that demographic, but not everyone was. No. And so Kat and I really wanted to represent, you know, various folks because privilege is just something that comes up, right? Like I think um, most of the riders that you see on screen come from a place of privilege. Um, we didn't really get to go into that in the film. Part of it's because like, um, you know, ESPN was our broadcaster. We had to deliver 77 minutes and it was hard to just like dive into some of the subject matter that I think we would have liked to delve into. Um, yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, it's a big one. But like it made me ask those questions around. Because a, a few of your subject matters did say like we never expected this to happen. You know, there's so many like they couldn't invest all of us like and it was just like how many people would think that way. Um, and as you mentioned, like a lot of them were university students, like it, you know, like it was just like a, would this have been different? If, right. You know, would this have happened? Like, and that, yes, there were different races involved, of course, but there was a dominant, you know, age and race, you know, mm -hmm. and gender involved in this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we sort of look at maybe some of the negativities of social media, but I think social media has also been used for a lot of good things. And I think, it's given voice um, for a lot of marginalized communities. I think it's, you know, been a way to get justice for those communities who might normally not get justice. So, you know, it was hard for us because we would have loved to like explore that a bit deeper. We didn't really have the time. We didn't really have, you know, some of the people we would have loved to interview. They just, they just, you know, said no. And, um, but still, we still had their support with the film. So yeah, it was hard for us because I think, you know, like myself as an indigenous filmmaker and Kat as a Filipina like yeah. filmmaker, like um, it, it's, yeah, it was something that I think that we would have loved to kind of explore deeper. But some of the big questions that you're asking is so timely today with cancel culture and like how we are on social media and how we behave. I think it's something that everyone needs to look within ourselves and, and how are we responsible in all of that? And how do we play a part in that? You know, but bringing it back to witness and, you know, how we still need our, you know, citizen, ci I, I don't want to say citizen science, it's not citizen science, like citizen, you know, what do you call it? Citizen journalism? I don't know what citizen you call it. Like, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Like we still, we still yeah. need that as well because th there would be so many things undocumented. Um, I want to ask you, how does this story change the way you look at the way you witness things? from a day to day, but also in the stories that you tell? I think, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like uh, making this, I learned a lot about myself and witnessing and memory. I think that's something that I thought a lot about. Um, yeah, I think it's weird because it's like, when you record something, and even if it had a life of its own when it went viral or whatever, it's like a, it's a time capsule. And you move on, the world might move on in some ways, and it, it becomes a sort of time capsule that, that can have a lot of impact. 
like for instance, for um, the video that we are exploring in, in that short, it's like um, what ended up happening is after Wasim uh, brought it to the press and he, he actually also filed a few complaints um, against the police. And what ended up happening was that there was an actual law that was put in place to protect um, citizens from recording the police. Because before, it was kind of this gray area that they could tell you to stop recording. And you don't know, don't know if that's if true or not. And exactly. the threat is like, I will take away your phone. Exactly. So uh, that is not true, everybody. So, yeah. And so, <laughs> exactly. And so like, so one of the outcome of that was that now that's like a real, a real policy that's in place to protect citizens for the, to, to have the right to record the police. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, so I don't know if there's like anything personal, but I think for me, it's just, I'm in constant, um, I'm constantly thinking about memory in general and, and, and witnessing, not just for myself as a filmmaker, asking my participants to do something that may be uncomfortable. I think it's like a constant questioning and a constant learning. Yeah. And especially with all the incredible work you've done, like how the younger generation will witness the work that you put out there and how does that ignite these questions and conversations as well. And so Asian Kat, how has this also changed the way that you witness stories and participate in it? And can you tell us anything that has changed for the both of you? Um, I think one of the most fascinating, fascinating things that I learned during this process was um, about forgiveness. And just speaking to the people who were involved in the riots, uh, we interviewed, again, like a whole bunch of uh, different people, those who were just bystanders, those who participated in the riot, those who were assaulted in the riot. Um, and it was really interesting because those who were actually, uh, we have two, two uh, subjects who were actually um, in some way assaulted during the riot and they were the ones who did not want to press charges who wanted to forgive their like their um their attackers um and who, yeah who didn't who just wanted to forgive and like move on and i just found that so interesting because for that like th those are the people who um who actually experienced like physical harm and they couldn't hold on to that anger you know what I mean? Like they needed to just forgive and like, let's move on. And I hope, you know, the whoever assaulted them also uh, learned from their lesson, moved on. And we can both like everyone just, you know, and versus like everyone online who's just attacking, 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 who they, and they they weren't actually involved in, in anything. You, you know what I mean? So it, that was really interesting to to hear because I we were in the interviews. I was like, really, you didn't you didn't want to press charges like you didn't want to like. And everyone was like, no, like it just it would have consumed them if they held on to that anger, right. which I thought was just so interesting in today's day and age when like, again, like cancel culture is just I mean, it, like Asia said, um, social media can be a great thing, um, you know, uh, can give voice to uh, marginalized communities, can give vo voice to the voiceless. But um, yeah, so that was actually what but one of the. That was something that that I learned. Um, and and now kind of going forward, whenever I see things happening online, I do look at things with a different lens. And, um, you know, there's one of the main sites that was uh, created. It's called Public Shaming Eternus. It still exists today. And it was one of the main uh, blogs that went um, and outed everyone. And there was just so much hateful speech that was written. Um, and the person who made the site 
their name is Captain Vancouver. And if you read some of the stuff, it's really disturbing, like what's being read. And of course, you know, all the rioters had to face their day in front of a judge. And but who is Captain Vancouver? Like what? Like and the, who is this person that also inflicted harm? And and, you know, they like they are still like this nameless person. And we did try our best to find. And we do think we know who Captain Vancouver is. We know is. who he is. OK. All right. right. <laughs> we, think, you know, we think, yeah, we have some pretty good inkling of, of who this person is. But because um, we really wanted to, to interview Captain Vancouver. Um, but um, anyways, yeah, that was for me what, what I learned. Yeah, I think the biggest thing would be maybe just kind of being mindful of my own relationship with social media mm -hmm. might be the biggest thing. Like, I've never really been one to like, you know, comment like, you know, hateful things online or my opinions on things. Like, I've, I kind of just keep to myself sometimes. Not to say that I don't have my opinions on things, but I just don't feel like I need to express them on social media. Right. So I think um, just kind of witnessing, I guess, how things are nowadays and being mindful of the time that I spend on social media and maybe how I interact with social media and when I choose to post on social media, things like that, I think is something that I'm a little bit more mindful of. And I think just being like, also thinking about that, you don't really know, I guess, what a person's going through when you see a photo of someone doing something that you might not think is a good thing. Um, and so I think just kind of thinking about like, I don't know what this person's like previous life experiences are like. Um, I don't know what's going on in their life now. Um, I don't know what led them to this moment or to this decision. But I think, you know, what makes us human is like making mistakes and learning from them. And so I think that's a big part of this film is like thinking of like myself when I was downtown in 2011, like I was 19 years old. Like, you know, I could have easily been caught up in that um, if I chose to. And I think there's a lot of factors that led people to make that that decision. And, you know, it changed them as people. I think a lot of them came out of it um as better people I would like to think and I think too when you think of like or you look at the people that we've interviewed like everything that they did was pretty like minor compared to some of the extremes that it could have led to like you know one of um, the people he was 17 at the time he like had a hockey stick and like hit the side of like a bank um that's pretty much all he did and you know he was still in high school and people like were posting his like information online like his phone number um, the police came to the high school and like arrested him at high school in front of like all his classmates. And I just don't think that's how things should be dealt with. Um, like it just seemed wrong for someone who was 17 who did something that sure wasn't a good thing. But um, does that make him a horrible person for for doing that one decision when he was caught up in the moment as a teenager? Right. So I think that's generally sort of the biggest thing that I learned was just that not everything is kind of like. Um, as easy to kind of dissect as maybe we think it is. There's a lot of gray areas in this film. Like Kat said, it's like a roller coaster of emotions. Like you're feeling one way. Um, yeah. Sorry, film. Then at the end, you're like, oh, it's, you did such a great job in balancing that out. And and I love the people you brought in to like, like really, I think memorable quotes for me to like sit with and think about that drunkness of goodness. Like I feel like we can all be caught up in that as well um, to give us that fuel to think we can do anything because we're on the right side of things. And I do catch myself on that as well. And hell, I mean, if people could see things I did when I was 14, 15, I mean, my mom could tell you like, yeah, like it needs explanation. Right. And then that's why it's so great to have documentaries to be able. And this is just one incident, one thing where you can be like, let's talk about it, explain, you know, the people behind it, that we're all human. And I love kind of like 
the last thing that your friend, your uh, film leaves us off. Like, have you done anything bad? Or, you know what I mean? Like, of course we all have. Right. And, and then to now that we live in a day and age where I think this has always been a th part of us. It's just that now we could do it more public and more global reach in terms of public shaming. Um, but is there hope? I mean, one thing that in your film, I know we, we have only five minutes left, Wasim said, someone has to witness. And what if we stop witnessing, we stop participating, what would happen and what he did to take out that camera that day was, his mind was, someone has to witness this. And, and now for me, when I think about this, watching both of your films, it's like, there's also these consequences and these lifetime effects in how we witness, what we do with what we witness, how we post it on social media, whether if it's just like a small isolated situation or something really big, um, we have to think twice about what our caption will be, um, how we, if we ever even share it at all. Um, I guess I want to kind of, it's a big question. I, you may not have the answer, but like, what do we do? <laughs> What's the answer? What's the balance in in how we participate because we're all documentary filmmakers that do in, in many ways tell the stories and try to tell from all angles and perspectives so that people can come away with their own judgments, um, but at least give them a fuller narrative than the things that maybe they might catch on the evening news or on someone's social media feed. Um, but yeah, I guess it's a big question. Like, what do we do? How do we balance that? I, uh, uh, I guess... Um, it's a great question. I probably will go back to my hotel and be like, oh, I have a better answer than what I gave it at the panel. But I guess not to be so react. I feel like we're so reactionary. Like mm -hmm. we see something and we're like, and it sparks this emotion and then we act right away. But I feel like just maybe holding and pausing for a moment to reflect, um, will probably benefit everyone. Um, and just, you know, understanding that, um, yeah, we don't know the full story. Um, and also, the full story, not, not just of the person, but of like the, the situation, the circumstance. And I think for, for our film, uh, the film also kind of e explains the backstory of the event, like, like how all the ingredients were there for the riot to happen. So like there was the media, there was the police, like the lack of police presence. There was like the buildup of like the hundreds of thousands of people that went downtown and it was just growing every day. The fact that it was, you know, a do or die situation, like it was game seven, the fact that the Olympics happened last, the previous year before, so the police thought, oh, you know, we, Vancouver knows how to, how to uh, gather peacefully and respectfully, like just everything was just, it was just like um, all the ingredients were there for a wildfire, essentially. Um, so just, I guess, understanding, like it's not, nothing is as straightforward as it seems. And there's usually something that's more complicated, more nuanced. And we just need to take the time to, to do our research, to actually th think critically and not just be triggered by, you know, what, what we see online. I think, um, I feel like s I, just to add to this, it's, it is complicated to like, um, to witness something and to like hold, hold, hold it, hold the, the thing because <laughs> um, I think knowing what to share and what not to share and making those choices in the edits as well yeah I mean I think a lot about how I think I remember asking Wasim uh how he felt about it I think he was really scared he was scared that he caught them doing something that they shouldn't 
So he was scared for his safety. And part of why he also was motivated to go to the press is because he's like, they're going to take my phone. They're going to X, Y, Z. And so I think there's also a flip side. I don't know if it's a flip side, but it's another side to this is that when you are capturing something that that is like, you know, that's hopefully going to lead to accountability, there's a risk to you holding that. And um, yeah, I feel like it was incredibly brave of him to to decide to share the video because there is a lot of, um, there's repercussions to it. And so I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's such a big question. And I think it, it depends on, on, on what it is. But I think overall, I feel like, um, I don't know, I'm someone who kind of moves through my own intuition and the way that I try to make sense of things is by trying to tell stories. And so this was kind of a way through it. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit complicated. Aisha? Yeah, I don't know what I can add to this. I mean, social media is not going anywhere. Um, I think we're almost living in this state of like being afraid because we're all like, oh, am I going to get canceled next? Kind of thing. like, I got to watch what I say and things like that. So I think it's just, you know, mindfulness. Like I, I hope people are mindful of what they're sharing, what they're posting, what they're commenting. Um, I think John Ronson said like the, the cure for public shaming was empathy. Um, and I think just in the context of like our film and sort of what people did um, in terms of the riot, like just being empathetic of, of, of a person and that maybe public shaming isn't kind of the way um, in terms of teaching people a lesson. But yeah, I think that's kind of all I can add to that. And just really quickly, what would you guys like, hopefully, you know, audiences take away? I know you mentioned this briefly earlier, Kat, but sort of like things that you're hoping that will spark when um, people witness, watch your films. I think uh, like watching the riot, I think it was so easy for me to be, to say like, oh my God, like I would never do that. And those, those people are idiots and, you know, yeah. Um, but after I think working on the project, talking to these subjects, understanding the, the situation, I think, I mean, um, I mean, I obviously would still like to think that I wouldn't riot had I been there, but at the same time, like I wasn't there. Like, you know, and so I think uh, the question that I know that we always wanted to post to audiences was like, you know, I think it's so easy for everyone to say, like, I would never do that. But after watching this film, I, I think our, our hope and goal is to be like to make audiences think, but wait, what, what would I have done had I been there? Like, would I have been slept up and, and to have that maybe that second guessing? Because um, I think it is it's so easy to be like, they're so dumb. But it's, it's, but it's not that I don't, but that's not true. That's what I've learned. And like, I, I, I can, you know, I can say that, yeah, I'm not sure if, you know, I, maybe, yeah, I think I would have been scared, but who knows, <laughs> who knows what, what I w would have done had I been there that night. And Kat kind of answered it. Yeah. It's like, what would people do if they were ever in a scenario like that? Would they riot? Would they stand up for, you know, fellow citizens, um, for the city? Uh, would they be filming it, um, posting online? Would they be shaming people? Like, we just really want to immerse people, one, in that night, but then also just get them to question, yeah, what, what they would they do if they were caught up in a riot? Fantastic. And yes? Um, wait, what was the question? It's kind of like the one thing you would hope that audience <laughs> will take away. Um, I think for me, uh, 
the importance of having intergenerational conversations around police and what to make of it. Because I think we're having more and more conversations about it. I think previous generations sort of accepted that, like, this is the police, we respect the police and so on and so forth. But now there's, we're, we, know, we know that it's not that clear. Or we've, I mean, communities have known this for a while. Black folks have known this for a while. But I think having those conversations intergenerationally is really crucial to figure out what is our way through this. Right. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for the work that you all do, the films that you've been able to share with us over the years. But this wonderful the last the, the, your recent work as well. I'm excited for the next work that you guys are going to put out there as well and the questions that you're going to make us all ask ourselves as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and congratulations. Welcome back, everyone. I really liked hearing co-directors Asia Youngman and Kat Jamie's take on what point of view, memory, and perspective can mean which I believe is an element at the core of documentary filmmaking. In fact, this made me think about my own creative process. When I begin a new project, first, I spend a lot of time thinking about how I'm going to tell that story, and then I ask myself how I really feel about the story I want to tell. This emotional self-check is very important to me because just like Youngman and Jamie, I want to make sure I create a perspective as objective as possible in the stories I tell. You see, my platinum rule is to never judge the characters of a story because those stories are shared with me. This doesn't mean I necessarily agree, but I accept what is shared and I respect the characters. After all, they trust me with their story. so. I show empathy. Besides, this emotional check-in also allows me to figure out if I'm the right person to tell that story. Another moment of the conversation I really enjoyed was their commentary on choice, judgment, and social media. Back in 2015, I made a documentary film on a teenage girl her toxic relationship with social media and the consequences this had on her life. I mention this because now, more than ever, social media is an integral part of our existence. I mean, how many of us reach out for their phone first thing in the morning to catch up on what's been going on in the world during the night? Guilty. I know, I do it. I scroll, scroll, scroll until something catches my attention. Then I pause and read or watch. If I feel the urge to comment, I'm always very careful about what I post. Now we have greater access to all these online platforms. As a result, we consume content differently than we used to, which leads me to ask you the same question the filmmakers explored in their film. What do you do when you witness something? Do you record it? Post it? Share it? 
invite others to engage in virtual conversations about it. And then if you didn't post it, but just saw it, do you comment on it? I like the fact that the filmmakers invite us to think about our own responsibility. They led us to think about our own societal codes, but also about our own behaviors. On social media, some point the finger, some judge, some blame. But ultimately, who are we to judge? There are so many more precious nuggets in this conversation. I can't share them all with you now, but I want to leave you with something that truly fuels my creative process. The way I make sense of the world is by telling stories. Thanks for joining us for this great chat. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at DGC Talent on Instagram and Facebook. And if you're looking to hire a director, you can access an amazing resource, directors.ca, where you can find a director with a perfect skill set to match your project. Special thanks to technical producer Giacomo Beltrami and producer Hans Engel. Take care and talk soon on the next episode.